What you see is what you get. Hello, my name is Pastor Chris Miller, and I am your host on the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Hello, and welcome back to the PC Speaking Podcast. I am so grateful that you are taking the time to tune in. We are starting in something new this week. We've been talking about Jonah for a while, and today we are going to start a new series. Before we get into that, in a couple of weeks, I'm hoping to start a new feature of the podcast. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag just yet, but if that comes to fruition, we'll have something uh, new and hopefully helpful and exciting for you coming. We'll see how that goes. Like I said, we're starting in a new series today. Um, have you ever applied for a job or wanted to get a job, but um, you were unable to get it because you weren't qualified for it? I am no. when I was younger, there was a lot of things I would have liked to have done, but I just wasn't qualified for them. In secular work, it's actually quite important that you're qualified for whatever job that you are applying for. And it's also the case in some church positions as well. Uh, there are qualifications that need to be met first in many jobs. Sometimes churches set up qualifications for certain positions in a church. Um, there's a qualifications for church leadership given to us in the Bible. Um, but when it comes down to just serving God as an individual Christian, there really aren't that many requirements for that, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. When we look at many of the well known, more well-known Bible characters, we see that they often didn't have much in the way of qualifications that were beyond much of anything anyone else had. But one thing about them, when we look at these different Bible characters, is that they do share some attributes in common. Um, they were present, they were willing, and maybe most importantly, they persevered in what God had for them. So those are some important things that we are going to be talking about. And the foremost qualifications to serve in Christian ministry of any kind are really your presence, your willingness, and your perseverance. And you know, that's really true in any area of life. If you wish to succeed in something, however it might be defined for that particular thing, it will require your presence, it will require your willingness, and it will also require your perseverance. And we'll elaborate on those some more going forward. And we're starting a new series about how God uses people with what they have, where they are. And as always, as we do this, we're always looking for principles and points that we can learn from, that we can draw out of scripture and then apply to our own lives. In our case study, if we can call it that today, is on the life of Moses. And we're going to talk about the factors, the timeframes that came into play in his life as he serves God. And we're taking inspiration from the story of Moses for the title of this series. And the title of the series is What's in Your Hand? And we're going to read from Exodus chapter 4. Um, verses one through five. That's where we're going to start today. Um, if you'd like to just listen or follow along, 
whatever you're doing, wherever you are, that would be great. But it starts, uh, Exodus chapter four, verses one through five. It says, and Moses answered and said, but they will not believe me nor listen to my voice for they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. He said, throw it on the ground. And he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. Then Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, he caught it and it became a rod again. This is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So a bit of a discourse between Moses and God happening there as God is calling Moses and informing him of what he's got for him to do. And this isn't the first time we see Moses in the Bible, uh, but this is the point where we see him learning about the task that God has for him. And the first time we see Moses is at a time when the Pharaoh in Egypt um, had commanded that every Hebrew child born male was to be thrown in the Nile River and drowned. Um, this is, you know, the, there had been a, uh, before the time of this Pharaoh, back in the time of Joseph and Abraham, there had been a good relationship between the Pharaoh in Egypt and Joseph, but Joseph died, um, that Pharaoh died, another Pharaoh comes along, uh, the Egyptians, or sorry, the Hebrews are multiplying greatly in the land and the Egyptians are a bit afraid of uh, what's going to happen as this nation grows more and more. So the Pharaoh decided he didn't want the uh, Hebrew people growing into a bigger nation than they already were. Now, when Moses was born was at the time when uh, the Pharaoh had said, okay, if there's any male Hebrew children born, we're going to throw them in the river. And when he was born, his mother hid him for three months. And when she determined that she couldn't hide him any longer, she made a uh, container, I guess you'd call it ark box, depends on what translation of the Bible you read, but she made this uh, like basket for Moses out of bulrushes and tar, so it was waterproof. And she placed him in the reeds on the riverbank. And his sister stood to watch to see what would happen with Moses. And the Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the river. She found him. She felt sorry for him and she rescues him. And his sister goes up to Pharaoh's daughter and asks if she would like her to find someone who could nurse this child. So Moses ended up going back to his mother for that reason. And the Pharaoh's daughter actually paid Moses's mother to take care of him. Um, and when he was old enough, he was returned to Pharaoh's daughter and he became, <clears throat> excuse me, her adopted son. And she named him Moses. And at this point, as we read through the Bible, we jump from here to, you know, then we see Moses a little later as an adult, but there's something I want to make note of. In the book of Exodus, when we read this particular part of the story of the life of Moses, we go from Moses being returned to Pharaoh's daughter. And then in the next verse, Moses is a grown man. And I think, so there's, there's a large gap of time where Moses was growing up and we don't see him. Uh, the time between when Moses left his mother and when we see him again is 40 years. So there's a large time gap happening here. 
And something to understand about this large time gap is that this is a time of preparation for Moses. Um, We don't really know exactly what happened with Moses, but it seems reasonable that he would have been educated. He would have learned language. He would have learned culture. He would have learned how to navigate the higher echelons of Egyptian society because he was uh, like, well, in a way, he was a grandson of the Pharaoh himself. Now, to be upfront, the Bible doesn't talk about exactly what happened during this time, but I believe it's reasonable to think about that and to consider it. And here's one of the reasons I bring that up. It's because what goes on at that time is preparing Moses for the future. It's important. And we all have a part of our lives that is unknown to people around us. Many of us have a history that we're not necessarily proud of. Uh, We have things in our life, in our past, that we probably would rather maybe people in our current life don't necessarily know about. But Moses, he wants to leave his past, which is interesting because his past wouldn't necessarily be a bad place to be, but he wants to leave his past and he wants to help the Hebrew people. And something to understand about your past, even if it's not a good past, is that it can serve as an asset today if you gain wisdom from it and apply that knowledge well. And in that sense, a negative past can actually be a valuable asset today if you're willing to learn from it. Moses, he wants to identify with his own people, his own culture, and uh, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about that. But his past and the understanding that comes with it will be an important asset when he returns to Egypt to approach the Pharaoh. His upbringing was part of his preparation. So our past can be a valuable thing, even if it's not a great past. Your past, even if it's negative, is an important part of who you are today, and God can use that. And it's important to understand that and realize that. And the next time we see Moses, he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. If you know the story, I'd encourage you to read it if you haven't read it in the book of Exodus. And when Moses sees this Egyptian beating a Hebrew, he kills the Egyptian and then he buries him in the sand. And he thought that he had done so secretly. You know, he obviously didn't want anybody knowing that he murdered this Egyptian. And the next day he sees a couple of uh, Hebrews fighting with each other. And he says, why are you guys fighting? And one of them says, you know, who made you the judge of us? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? And that's going to set off alarm bells in Moses's head. And he thought he had hidden what he'd done when he murdered the Egyptian. But he understands that if these guys know what he did, then it won't be long before Pharaoh finds out what he did. And the Pharaoh did find out that Moses had killed the Egyptian and he is going to seek to kill Moses as a penalty for that. And because Moses fears for his life, rightly so, he runs away to the land of Midian. And as we take stock of what just happened there, Moses wanted to help his people, 
He wanted to help his, you know, his fellow Hebrews, his ancestral people. Been raised in his, as an Egyptian, but he is a Hebrew, and he wants to identify with those people. Again, that's talked about in uh, Hebrews chapter seven, chapter eleven, sorry. And we see that desire that he wants to do that when he murders the Egyptian. He wants to help the Hebrews, and the desire is good, but he exercises it in a way that God didn't intend for him to do so. And when he did that, it didn't go well. And when we have a desire for something or to do something, we need to be patient and careful in making sure we exercise that desire within the within the context God intends for us to exercise that desire. Because if we don't, we'll cause ourselves and the people around us a lot of grief and a lot of problems. So Moses, he murders the Egyptian. Uh, He gets scared. He runs to Midian. And so his first attempt to help the Hebrew people didn't go very well. He had a, a good desire to help, but he exercised it poorly. When Moses runs away to Midian, he spends another spends 40 years in the desert herding sheep and goats which is similar to what he'll be doing when he's leading the Israelites in the wilderness but at the end of his time in Midian Moses is now 80 years old and it's finally at this point where we see Moses desire to help the Hebrews to join his ancestral people and his preparation and everything that's got into that come together and meet up with God's plan for what he has for Moses to do. God begins to make things clear to Moses. So the next element we see in Moses's journey in uh, carrying out the plan God has for him is a time of realization. A time where God finally clarifies what he has in store for him. And to do so, God speaks to Moses at the burning bush. And one of the things that happens is that the Bible tells us that when Moses sees the bush, you know, obviously he's going to be curious about it, but it says that he turns aside. Moses was curious about the bush and why it didn't burn. And he turned aside to see what was going on with it. And it's when Moses changed direction and turned aside from what he was doing that God gave him direction. And... Understanding God's will, changing something in your life is going to involve a change of direction. You can't stay where you are if you want something different to happen. It seems like common sense, but it's easy to get caught in just, uh, I don't know, a pattern that if you don't change, nothing else is going to change, whether it's serving God or even, you know, uh, sometimes just changing a habit, even if it's something small, you're going to have to do something different than you have been doing. You're going to have to do something different than you've been doing before. You're going to have to have a change in focus, a shift in your focus. And at the burning bush, God tells Moses, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. And Moses, he hides his face. And he does that out of fear 
of God's holiness. And in discerning God's will, there's a recognition of God's holiness. There is a healthy fear of God involved in rightly serving God. God's grace and mercy are good and they're wonderful, but it's really God's wrath that makes them so. Anything that is contrary to that is not from God. And Moses, so Moses is now 80 years old and finally he receives clarity about what God has for him. It's a time of clarity. It's a time of realization. And God tells Moses, I am sending you to the Pharaoh so that you can lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses says to God, as he has a a bit of a discourse with him, he says, who am I that I should be the one to do this? And to our modern Western ears, it might sound like uh, Moses is trying to put the brakes on what God wants him to do, or he might be saying, you know, I really don't want to do this, or maybe like he's trying to get out of it. But in his culture, Moses is following social protocol. He's being polite and mannerly in his interaction with God. He's actually um, acting in humble acceptance of what God has for him. And he's honored to be the one to do it. And you probably heard that Moses is afraid and he doesn't want to do this. And, and there may be a little bit of that there. You know, the, I'm, I know for sure that the first several years I got up to speak or teach or do anything like that. I was afraid I still am sometimes if things aren't going that well or I don't feel like the audience is following me well or it's a difficult, challenging topic, something that's like a social hot button. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm anxious and nervous to do those things, but that doesn't mean I don't want to do it. And I think that's probably similar to how Moses feels when God is telling him, I'm going to send you back to Egypt. You're going to talk to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him to set my people free. He may be a little bit anxious, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to do it. And in that, something to remember about that, you know, being being a little anxious, being a little afraid, being a little scared, doesn't mean that you are disqualified for whatever God has for you. And it's also in that good to remember that it's an honor to serve God. It's a privilege. And God tells Moses as he, you know, encourages him that he's going to help him as he returns to Egypt. And if you are exercising your desire within God's will, he is with you. He's going to help you too. And Moses, he answers God and says to God, you know, God says to Moses, I'm going to, I'm going to be with you as you do that. And he told Moses also that the elders of Israel were going to listen to him. And Moses says, well, I know you said that they would listen to me when I go back to Egypt, but what happens if they don't? And that's not unusual. You can see similar situations in other places in the Bible where God will say something to someone and they're a little bit, well, you know, okay, it's not like I don't believe you, but what if, you know, other people don't believe you? And sometimes people need a little extra help with that. And I think anyone who's ever stepped out to serve God in an area where they are uncomfortable has had that moment where they say, well, you know, I believe you, God, but I'm still uncomfortable, or I believe you, but what if other people don't believe you? And that's not unusual. And God doesn't put Moses down over that. And when God sends Moses back to Egypt, 
there may be um, a bit of insecurity, a bit of anxiety, but being a little timid doesn't equate to disobedience and it doesn't equate to being disqualified. Being afraid doesn't equate to disobedience. Um, Feeling inadequate doesn't equate to disobedience or being disqualified, but neither do those things excuse anyone from serving God either. God is patient. He comes to where Moses is. He understands how he feels. And he asks Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses says, a rod. And he tells Moses to cast this rod on the ground. It's just like a staff, like a, a herder's staff that he has. And when God tells Moses to cast this on the ground and he does, it becomes a snake. And Moses runs away, which yeah, who wouldn't, right? And God tells him to pick it up. He picks it up by the tail. And again, it becomes a rod. And over time, you see this rod um, that Moses carries becomes symbolic of God's power. You know, it comes into play when he parts the Red Sea. It comes into play when he, when he um, brings water out of the rock in the wilderness, things like that. And he also gives Moses two other miraculous signs to kind of uh, bolster his courage, I guess you could say. And one is that he sticks his hand inside of his garment and it becomes leprous. And when he sticks it again, pulls it out, it's healed. The other one is that he is able to take water from the river and pour it on the dry land and it becomes blood. And, you know, you think one miraculous sign would be enough, but I've always found it interesting how miraculous signs in the Bible really aren't that great at convincing people. Um, they didn't really convince Pharaoh. You, th- you know, you think they would be. You see that in the New Testament as well. Jesus performed all kinds of miracles, but still people still denied who he was. Uh, you know, how many plagues did it take before Pharaoh would let the Israelites go? But anyway, now Moses has clarity about what he's supposed to do. He knows he's going back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh, God says, let my people go so they can come into the wilderness and worship me. And... Now he comes to a time to move forward and do what God has for him to do. Now he comes a time of action and that's what happens. He takes action. Moses returns to Egypt at 80 years old and taking action is a very simple but unavoidable step in serving God. And there's one more element of service to point out. And this is arguably the most important one. And let's let's take a look at what that is. Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says to Pharaoh, God says, let my people go so that they may worship me. And if you read the story, you know what happens. Uh, Pharaoh refuses and this goes on and on. It goes back and forth multiple times. There's the plagues, all these different things happen. And eventually Pharaoh relents, but then he changes his mind. The, and he, he sends his army after the, the Israelites anyway. The Israelites cross the Red Sea. The Egyptian army drowns in the Red Sea. Um, they go to Mount Sinai. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments on Sinai. Uh, but while he's up there, the Israelites, they uh, build the, make the golden calf. Um, they refuse to enter the promised land. Uh, and then they wander in the wilderness for 40 more years. 
And it's an epic story and Moses is a big part of it. But one thing is for certain, it was difficult. Moses serving God, his life doing that was not easy. He spent 80 years in preparation for it and then another 40 wandering around in the wilderness. So he goes out and he lives in the desert for 40 years. You know, and I don't mind a camping trip, but 40 years is a bit much. And he deals with people complaining. He deals with people wanting to go back to Egypt. Uh, he deals with people trying to conspire against him. He's tired. He's overworked. And if Moses had not persevered through all of that, see, his life was difficult. But if he had not persevered, we probably wouldn't be talking about him. If Moses would have quit and gone back to herding sheep and goats, God probably would have given this task to someone else in the first place. And we would have never heard about Moses. We'd probably be talking about somebody else. And I say that to say that perseverance matters. And that's something that we sometimes forget. That is a key factor in serving God. That is a key factor in so many areas of life, in marriage, in church, and whatever it might be. Perseverance matters. Perseverance is important. And generally, people are not very good at perseverance, and the culture has made that acceptable. Often when things get difficult or become challenging, people vaporize. They just disappear. And that doesn't work for serving God or anything else for that matter. Um, obviously, what Moses did was very grandiose. It's a big deal. The majority of the world's population know who Moses is. He's very well known. But serving God isn't always grandiose. It's not something that's always done on a large scale. It's not something that is... Um, yeah, glamorous or something that comes with accolades or anything like that. Most of the time, it's it's kind of quiet and it's kind of subtle and it may not seem like a big deal to other people, but it's still always important. It still always matters and that never changes. Your service matters. Your perseverance matters. It's important. God works with what you have, where you are. And what you don't have and who you are not, what you are not is mostly irrelevant. Whether he's preparing you, clarifying things for you, or calling you to action, what God requires is your presence, your willingness, and your perseverance. And we're going to be in this series for a few weeks. We're going to be looking at some other characters talking about how God worked in their lives what they did, and the principles involved with that and looking for ways we can apply that in our own lives. And as we do, I'm asking you to reflect on these things because they are important, they matter, and so do you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please consider subscribing and sharing this with someone who might find it helpful. Oh, that's good.